I felt like I could have went pro out of high school. You know, wow. I definitely felt like I could have came out and did some great things. You know, I'm 210 at the time. I'm, <laughs> you know, I was like that in high school. <laughs> you was him before they invented him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, 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 welcome to RG3 and the Ones presented by Waze Sports and Entertainment. I'm your host, Robert Griffin III, a.k.a. RG3. Some of you may know me as a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Baylor University. Others of you may know me as the Pro Bowl Rookie of the Year quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Or as the guy that's been serving up that alpaca realness all week long. Now, this alpaca hat, 100% alpaca, by the way, and I just want everyone at home to know that no alpacas were hurt in the making of this hat. It really came about because I was reading, you know, Llama Llama Red Pajama to my four daughters all the time. I figured I might as well wear one of its cousins on my head. So we went and got the alpaca hat. I don't care if you judge me. I'm going to wear the hat when I want to, no matter what the temperature is. So now that that's been said, I want you guys to know that here at RG3 and the Ones, we're going to have new episodes for you every single Thursday. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page and follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones. And oh yeah, don't forget to download and listen wherever you get your podcast at. So again, subscribe on YouTube, download and listen wherever you get your podcast and follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones. Coming up on this episode, we're gonna talk about the biggest game from last week. I mean, the Eagles versus the Dolphins, the Bama Bros battle, or you could just call it Jalen versus Tua. And the one who will be joining me on this episode is the one who has the most rushing yards in a game, also has a mean tango, and he's one of the best running backs in NFL history. And don't you ever forget, he's also got one of the best stiff arms in NFL history. Mr. Adrian Peterson will be joining us today. But first, I got three quick things that I got to hit before we get to that conversation. Number one. People, we have to appreciate Patrick Mahomes' greatness while it's here. I understand the expectation for him is through the roof because of what we've seen. He might be the most special talent the NFL has ever been able to witness, right? He's 29-3 and as a starter against the AFC West. He's got 29 consecutive games where he has a touchdown pass. And his counterpart, you know, his running mate, Mr. Travis Kelsey, at one point had 29 straight targets that he caught. That's unheard of, people. But I also have to say that this boy is faster than he has ever been. I mean, I watched him scramble for 23 yards on third and 16 just this past week. And the first thing that popped into my head was, damn, Patty Cakes is moving. So uh, I reached out to his trainer, Mr. Bobby Stroop, and he confirmed to me that Patrick Mahomes is actually faster than he's ever been. And it's by design. So if I'm seeing it on tape, his trainer is telling me that they're seeing it in training. What do the numbers say? Well, for Patrick Mahomes right now, he is the leading quarterback in scramble yardage in the NFL. Pretty impressive. He's also third in the league in rushing yards for a quarterback, along with being third in the league for passing yards. And right now, 15 of his 21 scrambles have resulted in a first down. That is the highest percentage of any quarterback in the NFL. So the fact that Patrick Mahomes decided to come into this season and say, all right, I need to be a little bit faster because the guys like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, they're out here, Josh Allen running for all these yards. I want to be a part of that too. And he's actually done it. 
He's still finding ways to get better. That is so scary, man. So, so scary. But you know what else is really scary? My second point. I've had enough. We got to stop with the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift stuff. CBS actually put a graphic on the screen at the game talking about what Travis Kelsey has done when Taylor Swift is at the game versus what he has done when she's not, or as they put it, left to his own devices. Only thing I have to say that is, oh my gosh, come on, man. Anybody that's ever watched football knows that Travis Kelsey has always been a beast. He's a Hall of Famer way before he ever started dating Taylor Swift. But I get it. You know, this is a phenomenon. It's an opportunity, a growth moment for the NFL to get a new audience and to bring more women and young people into the league that are watching these games. But we can't keep disrespecting Travis Kelsey like that. I'm sure he wants to put on when his lady friend is at the game. Who wouldn't? We've all been there. Right. It might it might not just be the person that you're in a relationship with. Maybe it's the person, you know, a family member, a friend that you want to impress because, you know, when you go home, if you don't do well, they're going to really get on you about it. So I have no doubt in my mind that Travis Kelsey is enjoying the process of being able to show off and go for 12 catches and 179 yards and a touchdown with his girl in attendance. But we got to stop making it seem like the only reason this man is great is because he's dating Taylor Swift. we got to pull it back just a little bit and appreciate his greatness before and after Taylor Swift. All right. That's my second one. Number three. Guys, let me calm down for just a second. What has happened to the game that we love? Right. Football is a physical sport. And right now, the NFL has gone soft. And what I'm talking about is Kareem Jackson. He got suspended for four games. They reduced his suspension to two games because of a hit that he put on Luke Musgrave. Now, when I watched that hit, Musgrave caught the ball, got two feet down, turned around, and then was hit by Kareem Jackson. Kareem had actually already started the process of launching to hit him before Musgrave started to fall. And what I asked myself is, I'm a quarterback. You know, we don't really get hit that much anyway. And when we do, typically there's a flag involved. But I don't understand what defenders are supposed to do in today's game. Right now, they can't touch the quarterback. And if they sack him, they got to tuck him in at, in bed, put his head on the pillow really, really nice. And if they don't do that, 100%, they're not just going to get a flag, but they're going to get a fine. For defenders, when when receivers are running across the middle or pass catchers are running across the middle, they can't hit them. They literally have to let them catch it, let them turn around, get both feet down, look them in the eyes and say, OK, you can hit me now. Otherwise, they're going to get a flag, possibly thrown out of the game and certainly going to get a fine. So we've taken this game that is inherently physical. And now we're telling the guys who are the enforcers on the defense you cannot hit these guys anymore. And I understand it from a perspective of player safety. I really do. We've got guys that are 50, 60 years old that are dealing with CTE, and we don't want that for our football players. I don't want that for our NFL alumni. But I also don't want these defenders to feel like they actually can't play the game the way it's supposed to be played. You can protect the players and also not continually fine and punish defensive guys for making routine plays that they have no control over. I just remember a time when I first came in the league in 2012 where I was getting speared into the ground by guys. Every time I handed the ball off on a zone read, 
they hit me. And I don't mean like came and shoved me. I mean, they literally tackled me every single time. My coach took the tape, sent it into the league and said, wait, what's going on here? What they told him was because I was a uh, known runner that if I handed the ball off and they hit me immediately after I did, it was legal. I got hit the rest of the year like that, <laughs> actually for multiple years like that, because they were trying to get the zone read run out of the NFL, especially the way that we were using it. I definitely was getting reft different. Guys like myself, Cam Newton, Michael Vick, even Lamar Jackson today would get reft differently on some of those pocket hits or those hits inside the pocket. Or when it came to was he a runner? Was he not a runner? I vividly remember asking a ref, hey, Today, you're going to protect me, right? He says, yeah, I'm going to protect you. Just make sure that when you don't when you don't have the ball anymore, that you clearly give yourself up and I will protect you all day in the pocket. I got hit low on one play multiple seconds after a throw. I looked back at the ref and I said, hey, what's going on here? He said, well, you had the potential to be a runner. So I didn't throw the flag. I'm like potential to be a runner. Everybody has the potential to be a runner. But I don't see Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all these other more pocket style guys, even though Rodgers has some mobility. They're not getting those calls in between of, hey, he was a potential runner. But I've seen Peyton run for a touchdown. Nice Houdini action in the backfield near the goal line. I've seen Tom Brady run for a touchdown. So are they not potential runners either? And I get it. That's Hall of Famers. Peyton Manning's one of the greatest ever. Tom Brady is the greatest ever. But if you're going to protect quarterbacks, you have to protect all quarterbacks. I for certain believe that Cam Newton had his career shortened because some of the hits that he was taking in the pocket that were not being called. So when I think of it that way, and I remember vividly getting speared by DeMarcus Ware off of a play action pass, DeMarcus Ware picked me up and drove me into the ground with his shoulder pad, speared me completely. One of the hardest hits I've ever taken in the NFL. I got up and walked off because we got a big gain off of the play. But in today's game, DeMarcus Ware wouldn't only got fined on that one. He probably would have got thrown out of the game. So I don't quite understand the extreme shift in making the league soft and then also refing different quarterbacks different ways because I've seen Lamar Jackson get hit and, you know, going low, hit late in the pocket, and there's been no calls. I don't understand that, and I don't think that it's fair, and I know life's not fair. But if we're going to make the game, quote unquote, soft, then it needs to be soft for all QBs. Woo! My back is hurting from carrying the fashion industry and setting all these trends. Luckily for me, this week's episode of RG3 and the Ones is sponsored by Dr. Teal's. Self-care and recovery is important, especially if you're an athlete or if you're getting stiff armed by guys like Adrian Peterson and soaking in Dr. Till's to recharge your muscles helps to speed up your recovery so you can be at the top of your game. Dr. Till's Epsom salts is the secret weapon to your recovery routine trusted by the pros who push their bodies to the limit. Dr. Till's recharges muscles and helps speed recovery so you can feel your best too. It's time to work hard and recover just like the pros do. Grab Dr. Till's Epsom salt soaps today and elevate your game. This episode of RG3 and the Ones is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. You let them know, baby girl, that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place because nobody likes wasting money 
on those sneaky, sneaky subscriptions. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. You know, you could do a whole lot with those savings, like maybe buy an alpaca hat. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. With over 5 million users and counting, Rocket Money has helped save its customers an average of $720 a year and $1 billion in total savings so far. Holy cow. Stop wasting money on things you don't use, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash RG3. I said do it by going to rocketmoney.com slash RG3. All right, people, let's get to our guest conversation. This man is one of the best running backs in NFL history. During his time with the Vikings, he was an offensive rookie of the year. He was an all pro four times and a three time rushing yards leader in the NFL. And you can't forget his NFL MVP award. And he still holds records for the most rushing yards in a single game. He's got the most rushing yards in an eight game span at any time. This man is from the University of Oklahoma. Mr. Boomer Sooner himself, the great Adrian Peterson. Welcome to the show, my guy. But first, I said that you're one of the best, but correct me if I'm wrong. Who is the greatest running back in NFL history? The greatest NFL running back in history? Mm-hmm. I, I can't pick myself. You can pick yourself. <laughs> you know, I, I played the game to be the best to ever do it. And, you know, a lot of people say that I am. You know, for me, it all depends on style as well, too. So, you know, like okay. Barry, Barry Sanders, you know, for me, if you ask me, I'm like, Barry Sanders, he's that guy. You know, you think about his style and what he was able to do and um, the situation that he was in, too, and what he was able to produce on the field. Eh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard, man. It's kind of hard not to say Barry Sanders, you know. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of great running backs out there. You're talking about sweetness. Uh, you know, Mr. Walter Payton, um, Jim Brown, you know, um, but honestly, you know, I feel like, and I, I, I always approach going into the NFL with this mindset of being the best to ever do it, you know? So when I hear people say, you know what, are you the GOAT to me? You the GOAT, you the GOAT, you the GOAT. Like I always have appreciation for it because that right there was my mindset going into, you know, the game and, as a youngster, you know, I started in East Texas playing seven at, at the age of seven and playing little league and then on the middle school and high school, two years in high school and uh, on to obviously the University of Oklahoma. And my mindset was always to be the best to ever do it. Your mindset was the best, but let's be real. All right. You are the GOAT. You won't <laughs> say it outright. So I'm going to go ahead and say it for you. Let's tell the people a little bit like how we know each other. Of course, I you know was blessed to be in the league when you had your MVP season in 2012. Mm-hmm. But we also trained together uh, for one offseason uh, there in Houston. Well, here in Houston, since we're both here right now yeah. um, with Coop. Yeah. And just <laughs> talk a little mm-hmm. bit about Coop because he's 
He's a great trainer. Like, yeah. I don't think I was in better shape at any point in my career than that offseason that I worked with him. Yeah, man. Coop, he's uh, he's definitely a different breed, man. I'll never forget when I met him for the first time. So I was uh, at the University of Oklahoma, right? And at this point, me and my boy Marcus, you know, from Waco and Clint from Longview, we, like we knew we were coming back to Houston to work out. You know, like we were find a place there to work out. And one of our, our one of our boys from from Louisiana, from New Orleans, his name was Roland Seymour, who played for Florida State defensive end, right? And um, so we used to come down and we just kick with him, and he was like, "Hey man, we got to, I got this guy that I met, and um, you know, I did some work with him. I just couldn't really deal with him like that because he was he was too much for me. But I know you, and uh, I know your style, your mindset." I think he'll be perfect for you. So I want you to try him out when you come down. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I didn't even think too much because I was just going to go back to Oklahoma and mess with Smitty. You know, with Smitty, right. you can't get no better than that. So end up meeting up with Coop. We talked or whatever, and then we had that first workout. Game over. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, did, yeah, he make, did he make you throw up? Not the first time, but he, you know, <laughs> after that, you know, he did. I definitely threw up a lot messing with him, right? Um, but from that point, when I when I worked with, when I worked out with him the first time, he earned my respect because that's yeah. what I was looking for. I was looking for a guy that was going to push me to a point where you would want to quit. A lot of people quit. A lot of people didn't want to work that hard in the off season. You know what I'm saying? And then what made him so special was he wasn't just a football personal trainer. Like, he wasn't really into football like that. He was more, you know, he, he's been in Evander Holyfield corner, you know, as, as a trainer. You know, he teach arms. Like, he's one of those MacGyver-type guys, you know. <laughs> um, you know, he, he used to fight in exhibitions overseas. You know what I'm saying? Like, so much stuff that he that he did that made him unique. Um, so he, he brought all that in his in that mindset to you know to training us as well. So you know you are like you like you know he was special. Oh, he's special, and 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 I remember it vividly because the reason I worked with Coop was because of because of you and because of everything that you had been doing. I'm like, man, I need a little bit of that in my life. Yeah. And the first workout I had with him, he said, hey, you know. I'm going to make you throw up. I said, this man ain't going to make me throw up. I ain't never thrown up in my life from a workout. <laughs> and, bro, I went in there. I hadn't trained in like three weeks. And this man had me laid out on the turf. Yeah. You know, we was doing them, them bag drills with the high knees. I thought I was going to throw up. I had to I had to lay down flat on the in the weight room for like 10 minutes. No yeah. lie. Just yeah. to prevent myself <laughs> from throwing up. But I told him, I said, Coop, I'm not going to throw up. But I'm going to finish this workout. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, I, and I did finish it. And, uh, you know, like I said, me and you, <laughs> this man tried to drown me in the pool. You remember the pool workouts we was doing? Hold your breath underwater, swimming back and forth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He tried to drown me in the water, talking about hold your breath as long as you can and try to swim four times back and forth. Man, he tripping, exactly. right? Why you about to pass out? We was doing those uh, those runs on the track, the 300s. Yeah. And this that was two weeks when when you came down and you ran those. That was two weeks yeah. after I had first started with, with Coop and mm -hmm. I was already in some of the best best shape of my life. But yeah. now I got to ask you, bro, like what you did at Oklahoma your freshman year was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. 1925 yards. You had 11 100 yard games and three 200 yard games and 15 touchdowns yeah. like at the time. Everyone was saying that you could have went pro after that some people thought you were good enough to go pro 
out of high school, do you think that you could have gone pro and played in the NFL after your freshman year at Oklahoma? Without a doubt, I, I felt like I, I definitely could have could have did that, you know. And you know, a lot of people might have something different to say about that. But then, who had a better season as a running back than I did? My my <laughs> freshman year, nobody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know. I definitely felt like I could have left after my freshman year. So when you look at it from that standpoint, did you feel like you were physical enough and and built up enough to go pro straight out of high school? Yeah, I, I felt like I could have went pro out of high school. You know, wow. Um, now, don't, don't get me wrong when it comes from this standpoint, because I do know and I understand like going through that training process my freshman year at Oklahoma really helped develop me more to, you know, added more muscle, you know, this, that, another. But then I look at that and I also say, okay, well, if I would have had the opportunity to go to NFL, I would have had that same mindset. Yeah, you know what? I need to make sure I get myself ready physically and mentally because I'm going to play with grown men. Like I was going to play with grown men in college as well, but it was just a different level because it's the best of the best, right? Um, but Coming out of high school, I, I I definitely felt like I could have came out and did some great things. You know, I'm 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 two ten at the time. I'm, you know, ten, <laughs> your high school tape is ridiculous, by the way. Know, ten three and a hundred. You know, like oh, yeah. you know, my junior year didn't even run my senior year because I pulled my hamstring in the regionals. You know, like I was, you know, I, I you know I was like that in high school. No, you <laughs> know, you was him before they invented him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy, bro? And I, I, I say this to people from time to time, but it was I wouldn't say it wasn't I wanna say it was a good lesson for me because I knew at a young age that things happen like this. So I played let me just kinda of rewind a little bit. So I played little league, right? And I played for the I played for the Oilers in the little league and then once we kinda of advanced up, I played for the uh the Oilers, Houston Oilers, right? And um we always one year we won the championship, but we used to lose to we lost to the Raiders two years, right? And they they always had like the best guys defensively, you know. And you know, I was just like that one guy that was on another team that was we won every game, but we met them. It was just like it was back and forth, right? So anyway, long story short, we end up that team always at the end of the season that team always took their team to Texarkana and they played in a um, a tournament out there where they had teams from Georgia, you know, Arkansas, Louisiana, right? They would come in and play in this tournament, but they would select a couple players from some of the other teams. And of course, you know, they, so they, they brought me in, right? So it, it was called Raiders for a day, right? So we, we went to this tournament and it was Saturday and Sunday. I think we played like five games. That's a lot of football when I think about it too, but yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of football. <laughs> you know, right? Um, but it was so much fun, man. Like I'll never forget those experiences and just being there with those guys and just having the opportunity to play other kids from other states, right? So I got down there and I ball. Like when I say I ball, it was it was easy to understand who was the best who was the best out there on the field, right? You was that dude. Yeah, yeah. I was that I dude, you. right? So we get to uh, the championship game. We win a championship game. I ball out that game, too. And we get our trophies. Our trophies were tall, too, like individual trophies, tall. <laughs> and we get to the individual awards, and they 
you know, the NF, the, uh, the MVP for the tournament, you know, they start talking this and another, and they call out the name and they call somebody else's name. Oh. And I have a picture where it's crazy, but I have the picture, I don't know who took it, but I still have that picture where you can see me holding my trophy, like the trophy is tall that we got each one of us. And you're going to see me just sitting there. You can just, in my on my face, you can see like he's deflated. For, for some reason, he's deflated. And it was because of that. I'm just like, how? Like, how? I didn't win the MVP. How did you win, right? Yeah, right. I didn't win MVP. So I, I, I bring that story up to say, when it happened to me in my freshman year, at the Heisman ceremony, oh. I'm just like, you know, I've been there and done that. Like, right. I know... I'm the Heisman Trophy winner. When I see you guys, you know, I be sitting back and I be seeing you guys doing the commercials and stuff. I be sitting there like, man, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, like, you, you know should. Listen, you I love Matt. I love Matt. I love Matt Liner. But, bro, come on. I'm what you did that year? Man. Oh. Come on, man. The true freshman. Oh, my goodness. It's you were the talk of everything. I was in high school, and everybody was shocked that you didn't win the Heisman that year. Yeah, man. Yeah, they they robbed me, man. You know, but that's when, you know, it wasn't, quote, unquote, you know, freshmen. They weren't winning it at that that's point, true. just that's or true. another. But what really took the cake that year, and I don't know if a lot of people really know this, so that same year, I was a runner-up. I was number two, had the highest scores ever. I didn't win a Dope Walker Award. Did you know that? Wait, what? Did you know? Yeah, I didn't who win. Won the, the, who won the Dope? Cedric Benson. And guess what? He was enough for the Heisman. How how did you not win the Dope after that year that you had? I mean, you were you were like a couple yards shy of the all time record, right? Of rushing yards in the season. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't win the Dope. Yep. I, I, I said, me, what, what did they say? Why, why they say you didn't win the dope? I, I, they didn't say anything. I didn't. Under, <laughs> I didn't understand because I thought it was an individual award as uh. far as that individual year. But I learned it's something that they look over over a person's career because at the end of the day, there was no reason I should have. I shouldn't have won the Dope Walker Award when there's only two running backs up for the Heisman, me and Reggie Bush. Come on, man! And somebody else other than us two. Wins the Heisman. I mean, wins the Dope Walker Award. Nah, that's ridiculous. You just made me upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought for, I thought for sure you won at least the Dope. You know what I mean? No, no. you know what? I, this is what they said. Oh, he's a freshman. He'll have the opportunity to win it again. You know, I'm sure. I know that's what they had to say about it. You know. Would you say that that moment that you had in uh, little league ball and that moment that you had at the Heisman? kind of burst a monster in you to like have that drive because when I watched you run nobody ran like Adrian Peterson nobody do you would you say that's when it was born or was it something else um no it, it was born before that you know what really kept me going and like just what really drove me was like having a mindset to be the best but I lost my brother at a young age I had an older brother who was a year older than me and he got hit by a car when we were living in Dallas. And, um, you know, like that was just so dramatic to me because it was, we were, he was riding his bike. I was out playing football, ironically. And I never forget 
one of our friends screaming and said, hey, Adrian, Adrian, Brian just got hit by a car. And I remember sprinting over to him and, and seeing him. I'm seven years old. So I remember getting out on my knees and, and bringing his head up and like calling his name, like Brian, Brian. And he didn't, you know, he, he, he wasn't responding. And I remember just laying him down and I never ran as, I ran a 10-3 and got sick in the seven minutes. I don't think I ever ran as fast in my life running to my auntie's house to let her know, like, Brian just got hit by a car or whatever, whatever. But that whole situation, going through that, watching, hearing my mom cry for a full year while I'm in the other room, you know, going over there trying to console her and comfort her throughout that time. For When I say for a full year, she cried every night. That that did something to me that was, like, motivating. It wasn't anything that was negative that I, that I would hold my head down about because the one thing I knew was my brother was brilliant. He number straight A's and not only that I was always a little more big like a little bigger than him but I could never hey RG I could never I run him me and him we were beating kids that were 14 15 years old we would burn off on him right right I could never touch him he was so fast so I always knew like like man my brother would have been in the Olympics he would have did this he would have did that so that motivated me to do what I was blessed to do but do it at a different level because not only was I doing it for myself, I was doing it for him as well. Wow. You know hey, what man. I know exactly what you mean. And the way you just put that. So, you know, being so vulnerable here in this moment, um, you know, I, I said, nobody ran like you, like the first time we played against each other in the NFL, I just knew you were built different, man. Like you were just coming off an ACL injury and MCL injury. Uh, you, you ended up winning MVP that year. But undoubtedly, bro, after you telling that story of like what made you have that drive, I fully believe that you made your brother proud. 100 percent, man. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, all that all the other stuff that was just fuel, fuel to that to that, you know, that that desire and that burn to be to be the best to ever do it. RG3 and the ones is for all the dogs and for all the eras. And luckily, today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app, and there are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With the NFL and NHL seasons in full swing and now the NBA getting started up, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. And you know, you don't want to miss out on tickets to the Lake Show, baby. That's why SeatGeek puts all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. And you know, I came through for you guys. Use my code RG3 for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code RG3. So make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Everyone needs a little help from time to time. And this episode of RG3 and the Ones is sponsored by BetterHelp. To be one of one, you got to make sure you're staying on top of your mental health and getting the help you need to keep on changing the game. It's professional, it's affordable, it's convenient, and it's effective. BetterHelp offers you therapy that is convenient from a large range of licensed therapists, and all you have to do is pay a low, flat fee for your sessions. If you've got kids, like me, you may find yourself always on the go with their busy schedules. And BetterHelp's mission is to make sure anyone can get the help they need anytime and anywhere. 
Get the help you need to become the best version of yourself with BetterHelp by going to BetterHelp.com slash RG3. And if you get started today, you can receive 10% off your first month of therapy. I don't know if you and your brother used to do these things together, but the first time I met you, bro, you tried to break my hand. (laughs) You literally tried to break my hand with a handshake. And I came to find out. You know, because we got a lot of guys that go in the, run in the same circles that we do, yeah. whether it be agents or players or whatever, trainers, uh, that that's what you normally do. Yeah. Why do you try to break everyone's hand the first time you shake it? As my kid screams in the background. <laughs> so growing up, man, as a youngster, my dad and my uncles, they always taught me like, hey, you need to look a man in the face and give him a good, firm handshake, you know? Like, they always used to say that to me, you know, because, you know, kids, they go in and they do that little, you know, or they give you just a soft hand or whatever, and they used to squeeze the crap out of my hand, like, you know, just like good, firm. So I had, I had no other choice but to, you know, to grab strong with them, you know? So that's where it originated from. It originated from... My uncles and my dad saying, hey, when you talk to someone, son, give them a firm handshake, look them in the eyes so they know that you're present, you know? So it just kind of built from from there. I shook your hand and like you started to squeeze. I said, oh, hell no. Because if I wouldn't have like tried to squeeze back, you literally would have shattered my hand in place. (laughs) So I know I know you a strong dude. And it kind of transitioned to the way you play when you when you watch the clips back, you play strong also. And you got a nasty stiff arm. So who is the one guy that you can't believe? Like, I can't believe I stiff arm that guy. Hmm. The one guy I can't believe I stiff arm? Not no, I can't really think of no nobody, but uh I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I got a stiff arm a stiff arm off on him before. Uh I would say Ray Lewis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you say Ray Lewis. So the guy that's known for the stiff arm right now in the NFL is Derrick Henry, right? We've seen him throwing guys out of the club. Who has a better stiff arm, you or Derrick Henry? <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a tough one, man. Like, I think he has had more, like, highlighted highlighted stiff arms with some of the ones he's had where, you know, Josh Norman, and I'm like, God, he's more than a poor bro. He has had more where it's just like, God. Dang, yeah, how did you yeah. just do him like that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so I would give him that as far as highlights, but I feel like I, I feel like I had a pretty nice one. You know? No, you did. I was I was actually watching watching back some of your highlights, and there was the you had the one stiff arm uh, in the Browns game where you basically threw Buddy like off the sideline, like you just grabbed him, hemmed him up, and yeah. said, "Get out my way!" Mushed and you him. ran. Then you ran for it. You must him. Ran for a touchdown. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, the other play that really pops into my mind is the one against the Steelers when you ran over William Gay after the check down, yeah. right? You caught the check down. He he tried to come in and make a tackle, and mm. you literally flattened this man into the ground. Yeah. So when you think back to your playing career, what was, like, your favorite play? That was that, that was probably one of my favorite plays, too, you know, both of the ones you mentioned. You know what the crazy thing is about the, about the, uh, the William Gay one, bro? When I look back on that play, I'm just I'm so mad at myself. This is why. So I'm so I'm so mad at myself, and it's just like a player, right? Like I'm so mad at my, myself because when I caught the ball and I turned around initially when I seen him, 
I felt like I hesitated. I, I I don't I don't feel like I just wham you know initially which that's my mindset I I, I didn't do that it was like a little hesitant and then I end up doing it so like when I look back on that play I'm mad at myself because there's just like it's like a little gallop and then bam I end up running them over and then finishing the play or whatnot right so it's this little insight because people probably look at that because people do look at it and be like oh my god look what you yeah did. I mean it was an unbelievable run and you're telling me that you're upset that you didn't do him worse yeah I know <laughs> but my favorite play of all time bro okay <clears throat> drop it on us drop it on us <sighs> NFC championship game against New Orleans I think it was the second quarter it was a fumble I, I fumbled the ball it was a, it was inside zone play to the right I don't know who came in and hit me and or if they came from, if I made a miss and they came up from behind and hit the ball, but the ball flew. It, it happened within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And the ball flew maybe eight to nine yards in front of me. Okay. RG. And I was like, I was falling down. I was on my knees. <laughs> I, I remember looking up and seeing the ball eight, nine yards in front of me and seeing two defenders three yards, at least three yards from the ball coming to the ball. Right. When I tell you I got to that ball <laughs> and recovered that ball, it was like an out-of-body out of experience, bro. Like, I've never like, I've never did anything like that in, in my in my life. Like, right. when I tell you like an out-of-body experience, it was just like uh, like an angel like an angel's in the outfield. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's like I'm with you. Like an angel had came into my body at that moment and just shot me over to that ball. I got to that ball so fast. When you when you get time, try to find that play, and then you have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. When I tell you, I shot to that ball on my knees, got to that ball before guys that were two or three yards away from it got to it. It was it was it was incredible. And the funny thing is, I've had about five or six people. Um, in the span of since that happened, come to me and, and say, you know what, bro? Like, my favorite play of yours is when you play the NFC Championship game, you fumble the ball, man. You went to get you, you got that ball. Like, like that showed me something about you. Like, obviously, you were already who you were, but that showed me something different. You know, I'm just like, damn, okay. I'm glad you guys appreciate that because you know that's that's my favorite play of all time. <laughs> well, you know, fumble recovery. <laughs> yeah, it's, as I said, it's very rare that a running back like yourself, who's fifth all time in the NFL history in rushing yards, would say that his favorite play was a fumble recovery that he got off of a play that he fumbled. But everybody at home has to realize that when you're an offensive guy and you fumble the ball, oh my gosh, it's the worst feeling in the world. All yes. all year, every practice, coach is preaching to you, you got to protect the ball, got to protect the ball. The ball mm. is the program. The ball is a team. The ball is your job. Mm. So when you do fumble it, you are literally doing everything you possibly can to go get it. And it's pretty cool that you were able to go get a ball when you were five, six, seven yards away faster than guys that were two, three yards away. Uh, I had a question just real fast. It it's AD for all day, but some people also call you AP. Which one do you prefer? For me, it's, a, it's AD. Yeah, you know, but AP is cool too because I know it flows better. And it's just for people, it, it makes more sense, right? It's ADP, right? It makes sense. But it makes sense to people back home for me that call that calls me AD because that's what I've been called before, you know, the fame and all that. It's always been AD as well. So break it down. Why they call you AD? Why do they call you all day Adrian Peterson? 
man, I, I just had so much energy as a youngster. I was so active, so active, um, you know, just full of energy. The kid that needed to be on medication in school. To keep it <laughs> yeah, that was me. So, I mean, you, you know this. You know that you were nine yards shy of a single season rushing record. You know, you had 2,097 yards uh, the year you won MVP. Mm-hmm. Do you think that anyone will ever come close to breaking that record again? Uh, I don't think so, man. You know, uh, I feel like Derrick Henry, he has the opportunity to, to, to get it done, you know, within this time. But I really don't see – I really, I really don't see no one else kind of getting close to it, you know, especially how, you know, they're trying to dilute the running back position, you know, you know at this point in time. So I think, I think it'd be really rough for somebody to, to, to pass that. So continue on that. What do you feel about the state of the running back position and, and the pay and, and what they're doing to the position right now? You know, I feel like the state of the running back position is in really good hands. You know, you think about the running backs that are out that are out there. You know, you got Derrick Henry, you got obviously Christian, you got Jacobs, you got Saquon Barkley. So I feel like you know Jacobs, you know um, Jonathan Taylor. So I feel like the 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 core and the talent is there, but the way that they are kind of you know the way they're handling running backs right now is just is mind blowing to me. You know, because when it comes down to it, each and every year when you get into the playoffs. Like they're depending on that run game, yeah. make it happen. Oh yeah, you know, and like you know, like you need you need a run game. You know what I'm saying? Like you need you need a solid run game. You know, the the what I learned what I learned in my career. If you don't have an offensive line or defensive line in a in a quarterback, oh boy, man, you're in trouble, man. You are in trouble, and especially if you can't run the ball. Your point is is spot on because it's right when the weather gets bad. And and now it's a little bit harder for the receivers to catch the ball because it's cold or it's rainy or there's snow that you start seeing teams rely on the running game. And the, your point about guys probably not being able to get close to the record again, it's, it's not shocking that you say that, but it's shocking for me that with the extra game, right, if you had had 17 games to go out and do that, you would have broke the record easily. Mm-hmm. But now, because the running back position has been devalued in a certain way, you're not seeing guys really climb the charts like that anymore. Do you think that running backs should be paid more money and that their pay scale should be raising along with the other positions? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I really feel like these guys, for the sacrifices they make playing that position, they should definitely be getting paid amongst some of the highest paid players on the on the team, man. Like it's a brutal position, man. Like my boys, I do not want my boys to play that position. I'm lobbying them to if they want to play football, hey, be a receiver, hey, be an outside linebacker, do something different. I do not want my boys playing in running back position because it's such a physical position. When you get the ball, you got eleven guys coming at you. Not only that, you're 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 blocking Guys, as well, you're blocking the best linebacker. You're blocking the best players. You're blocking the linebackers. You're blocking the defensive tackles because the offensive line get beat sometimes. And then they have the nerves to call a Lee or a Roy or, or a Ray and, and slide <laughs> it over and put you on, you know. The, the, the best D-line in the league, yeah. <laughs> put me on Garrett. Like, yeah. Exactly. I'm trying to block Garrett, bro. 
<laughs> you're not lying though. You've been, you're, this is a hundred percent true. And I actually said this to Austin Eckler. We had Austin Eckler on a previous uh, episode having a conversation with him and he got mad when I said, Hey, I wouldn't tell any kid right now to play running back because of what they're doing to the position. But you're right. You run, you block, you catch, and you're not just blocking backers. You're blocking safeties and nickels, and you're having to block guys like Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa and TJ Watt. And and they know that. And yet they're trying to say, hey, we shouldn't pay you guys. I think it's wrong. It it blows my mind. It's like you guys want to slide the protection and have us block the defensive end. We block everybody. And not only that, (laughs) we we, when the games get grimy and get down to it, especially when you're a good running back like a Henry, like you're giving us 19, 20 carries, man. Like pay pay us, pay us what we do. You know what I'm saying? Pay us what we do, especially when we're being productive. Yeah, I love that. I love that you say that. And I think it means a lot coming from you being one of the greatest, the greatest running back of all time. (laughs) I think that means a lot. When I watch your tape, the number one thing that pops off in my mind is not just the tenacity because you ran with mean intentions. Mm -hmm. It was also your burst. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a highlight tape of a running back where you burst through the first level of defense. And it's like, all right, 80 yards later, see y'all. You know, and and you you're also one of the few guys that continues to build speed the entire time you're running. You know, prime A.D. was never slowing down by the time he got to the end zone. Like I remember one run from uh, Oklahoma is probably early in your career, probably your your freshman year. You hit a spin move at the line of scrimmage and it was like, yeah, you could have ran through the damn tunnel how fast you were running. And then then you get to the NFL and I think your first touchdown was a swing pass that you kind of bobbled. Yep. And then you and then you took it right down the sideline. And I just don't see guys run like you anymore. And I wonder like how much of that is also you're a special talent, right? One of the greatest ever. But also the way the rules have changed the game. Do you think that's impacted how running backs kind of approach the way that they run? I think a little bit it does, you know, because they're you know, we're just, just leading with the head, you know, your crown and your helmet right. and all that. I think it kind of changed the mindset a little bit. Um, and then some of the other rules as well um, kind of is making the game a little softer, which, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I kind of I like it to a certain extent because um, yeah, it's, it's safety first, right? You know, and then I'm thinking about my kids playing, so I like it. Um, especially for the quarterback position. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at it for the QBs. I do think that they're taking out too much physicality from the game. Yeah. And it's honestly punishing. It's punishing the defense now in certain instances. If we got guys out there headhunting, we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But some of it has to be like, okay, well, it is tackle football, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I'm not going to give the guys no excuse. You still got to, as a running back, you got to come with that mindset that you are trying to scratch for every yard. Even if, even if they catch me with my head down, hey, you guys have to throw a flag or two before I can focus on emphasizing, keeping my face up. You know what I'm saying? But outside of that, I'm coming at you. And you brought up you and Marshawn, right? And like how you guys, your running style. Very similar. You're just much faster, right? Much more explosive than than Marshawn was able to take those 20 yard gains and turn them into 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, But when you came in as a rookie, the Vikings built everything around you. And we don't see that really in today's game where they build an entire offense around the running back. Why do you think that is now? And do you think it's right? Uh, you know, um, you know, you know, off the 
offensive coordinators nowadays, they're, you know, you got the Patrick Mahomes, you know, everyone is looking for that quarterback that's going to be able to spread the ball out, you know, looking for those two or three receivers that's going to, you know, score points quick, right? You don't really have a lot of teams that's really, that really got the emphasis on, you know what, we're going to put a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to make them sit on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get, uh, AP in here that's going to bang. Anytime you give it to him, he might take it to the crib. But guess what? He's going to get seven here. He's going to get three here. And then we're going to, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have eight, nine-minute type drives. And then we're going to have a defense up here that's going to stop you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know he's going to eat because he is Patrick Mahomes, but we got a defense over here that's going to that's gonna be ready for him, right? So that's so we're going to put, we're going to, we're going to, you know, Put our offense, you know, we're gonna surround around this guy in in the run game and have people that compliment him as well. You know, you don't really you don't really see it happening. Um I, I think because you don't really got you don't really got guys out there that's just like that, you know, for one, that can really, you know, uh, command that type of attention, you know, when it comes to really just like pounding the ball, you know, screenplays and stuff like that too. You know, Christian McCaffrey you know he's a guy that commands a lot of attention as well, as well. But he and he, and he runs the ball hard too. But it, it, it's that even from him, it's still different. And there are some rare talents at running back. You mentioned them: B. John, Saquon. Those guys could probably have a team built around them. Would they be exactly like you? No, but they would be much better than a lot of the guys we see in the league. Yeah, without a doubt. And do you do you think that because like me and you both had extreme success our rookie years, right? Mm-hmm. One rookie of the year came in, did, a, did our thing, established that we could play at this level, at a high level. Do you think that teams would, would build around you today? As special as you were, do you think in today's game they would draft you and build around you? I think so. I, I, I definitely think so. You know, uh, when you think about, you know, what I was able to bring to the game, you know, it was just something different, you know. So even if a team didn't want to, you know, they would kind of be like kind of – they would probably force their hands and be like, you know what, we got to, you know, we got to build – we got to build around this guy because, you know, look, look what he's, he's doing. He's doing special things. He's, yeah, he's yeah. doing special things, you know what I'm saying? So we have to just make those adjustments and, you know, and do what we got to do, you know, because before I got to Oklahoma, they were shotgun. <laughs> that is true. You know That's very true. Yeah. And, it was and you forced them to hand the ball off to you. Yeah, we, we was national championship next year running out of our formation <laughs> in the <Super> Bowl. <laughs> 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 hey, you gotta make you gotta make it happen when you when you get when you get guys like that, man. It is it is what it is. Especially when you get a team like just like a like a like a Philadelphia or or the Jets. You know, you get teams that can really got some stellar defenses, man. Come on. We want you to run Okay, the ball. so so, so talk to talk to talk to me about that. If you were behind the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, how many yards would you rush for? What? Oh my God, man! That offensive line is so incredible. <sighs> you break the record? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jason Kelsey's a beast. He's a unicorn, by the way. Yeah. He does everything well. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are like those guys are hard nosed. They're 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 grimy. You know, on the field. You know, 
it's 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 what you what you look for as as a running back. You know, you want to you want your your office alignment to have the same type of mentality that you have that you got. And those guys, those guys got that mentality, you know, and they've been they've been like that for a while. Uh, but you think about those guys, Kelsey Johnson, like they, they got some dogs. Peters, who was there for a long time, they got some dogs who have, you know, set the tone for what they expect when it comes to playing on the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, for me, having an offensive line, line like that, I'm definitely going to eat. I'm, I'm definitely. <laughs> and you're going to eat all day. Yeah. But let's let's be real. Throughout your career, you did eat. And I mean, one of the most prominent coaches right now in all of sports is Deion Sanders. And he had this to say about you. He said, this is the, after your rookie year, you won rookie of the year. You set the franchise record uh, against the Bears with three touchdowns and 224 rushing yards on 20 carries. And after that, he said about you. He is the he has the vision of Marshall Falk, the power of Earl Campbell, the speed of Eric Dickerson. Let's pray he has the endurance of an Emmett Smith. When you did you hear that quote after your rookie year? I remember I remember hearing that. All right. So when you hear stuff like that from your peers and not just your peers, but like a legend in Deion Sanders, who's the greatest defensive back ever. How does that make you feel, man? When I heard that for the first time, man, I don't even know how I felt. Like, it was just so, for me, it was unbelievable because I grew up a Cowboys fan, you know, and my favorite player all times is Deion Sanders. You know what I'm saying? Offensive player, defensive player, special teams, he did it all, right? And he was the best at, at it when he did it, too. You know what I'm saying? So to hear my all-time favorite player who didn't know that he was about like, end, like I told him, you, you know, my all-time favorite player say that about me, mentioned so many great, you know, running backs when mentioning me, that was that's, that's everything I needed to hear. You know what I'm saying? That was talking about a confidence, like not that I didn't have the confidence already, but talking about a confidence booster, like uh, something that solidifies, that give you confirmation. Just you know what? That they they see it. Greatness, like you you know great. You know a good quarterback when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like you 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 know talent when you see it. It's not a lot of people that can say that, right? Like you know it when you see it. You know what I'm saying? So me understanding that. And him giving me that compliment, man, it was just, it was, it was amazing, man. It was, it was a blessing, a blessing from God, because it was just like God giving me confirmation, like, bam, all right, from your 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 all time favorite player, this is what he just said about you. No, that that's it's awesome to to hear you talk about it that way, because you you're gonna be, uh, uh, you know, Hall of Fame running back. You're gonna get that gold jacket. I didn't. I'm not gonna have that opportunity as a player. My, you know, obviously my career was altered by injury. Not all of us are built the way that you were to be able to come back and play at the, the running back position for an elongated period of time mm-hmm. at the level that you did. But I do have a similar Dion story. I think it was after my rookie year, he was working for NFL Network, I believe. And he said, you down with RG3? Yeah, you know me. And I heard that, bro. And I was like, that that's my guy right there. Because I was the same way. Dion was one of my favorite players. He obviously is one of the greatest of all time, and now he's being one of the greatest coaches. But when you look at what's going on now, 
with the Minnesota Vikings and the game they just played against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, are you tapped in to what's going on uh, in the NFL or what's going on with the Vikings and how they're playing? Yeah, I, I've been paying attention a little more. You know, uh, I was at the Real Series game yesterday. So, you know, I, I had my phone pull, pulled up watching the Vikings, you know, play, play the Diners as well. So I was kind of going back and forward. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't, you know, I, I bleed purple. But I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, maybe we, I think we might got a chance, you know, because Debo hurt. You know what I'm saying? I know my boy, Big Trent, you know, he, he ain't playing. Uh, I, you know, I'm like, I didn't know Christian was going to be playing. Once I found out he's playing, I was like, ah, yeah. Uh, and then that defense, right? I was like, ah, oh, you know, we have been struggling, you know, and, and things like that. So I, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I was like, ah, you know, I, I think we can pull it off, but uh, I, I didn't think we were going to pull it off. You know, I was just like, ah, it's going to be rough for us to pull it off, you know. So to see them come out. You, know, you weren't the only one. Yeah, you know. Like, you got to put money on it. Hey, I'm going to be real. I'm be, you know, I'm a realist. If I had to put money on it, I'd be putting money on San Fran. I ain't going to lie. You know. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mike is all the way. But I would have put money on San Fran to take that one. But uh, to see them come out and play the way they play, you know, without Jefferson as well, you know what I'm saying? Guys stepped up, you know, guys stepped up, made plays, you know, turnovers. Obviously, they 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 can just like that. They can they can take you down and, and really hurt you. Um, but I, I feel like the, I feel like the defense played played really well. You know, they stepped up and made big plays defensively. Um, Kirk, Kirk Kirk Cousins, he. Uh, you know what? I remember saying to myself, you know, you know, you know who Kirk always reminded me of, man? Jay Cutler. I say that because Jay Cutler was always precise in his accuracy. He was nice. Like he would slice the ball. He like he could he could throw the ball really well. And he always would put up good numbers. But then it was just like, ah, you know, he never could really get there, you know. So like over the years, that's who Kirk Cousins has kind of reminded me of, a better Jay Cutler. Um, but it's like, do he got that? You know, do we got that dog in him that can – do we got that Aaron Rodgers? Do we got that, you know, what it takes to get the team over the hump to the next level? You know, and I feel like what he showed yesterday, if he can continue to play like that, we, you know, we, we talking about something. We talking oh, about I mean, it'll, t- it'll turn Minnesota season completely around. Yeah. So, if you listen, Kurt, you, you pl- continue to play like you played yesterday, we got something. We, we got something in the works. There you go. You know, I got to know a little bit more about what you were just doing. You know, you're on Dancing with the Stars. Just talk about what was that experience like? Man, it was a incredible experience, man. I'm talking about, you know, when I went into it, I really didn't know what to expect, bro. And like I knew it was going to be challenging, but not to this not to the magnitude that it, that it was. You know, like What was the I, most challenging thing you think? <sighs> Man, just really learning each week, especially after week one. Week week one was really the easiest because we had a lot of time leading up to it, right? But after week one, it was like, bam. In five days, you had to learn the Vietnamese walks. You had to learn the quick step or whatever whatever style it was that you were assigned. You had to learn that, you know? So for me, the hardest thing was um, just really learning, learning, learning the dance and you know, being technical, understanding that you had to you had to be fundamentally sound. You know, like a lot of things that you can trans you can you can think about when you go to football, but it's a totally different arena. It's a totally different. You know, it's the ballroom, so you have to be precise. And like you know, in football, I can take a false step, right? 
and be able to make up and get away with it. On that ballroom floor, you can't do that. You take a false <laughs> step. Now you're behind, you know, from when that song, you know, started. Like, so those clicks that you hear, that click, click, like we're locked in. We're locked, we're, we're locked all the way in. So click, 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 and then bam, we're, we're on it. We're going. You know, like everything we do after that is in sync to the song. So a false step or anything that um, takes you off of the rhythm and the, the tempo you're supposed to be on, it can be devastating, you know, and it can, it, it'll make the performance look really terrible. Even if you go through the performance and you're flawless, and you're fa- flawless, it can make you look really bad. So um, just really, the hardest thing was really just being um, like learning the, the footwork and the steps and the dance that you were, you know, you were doing that week and really being critical about being precise and on point and um, on tune with it. Yeah, you know, you say that, it's like, you had like really great footwork when you were playing a running back position. You know, you talk about false steps, but usually most of your false steps were like when you were stopping in the end zone because you had ran for like an 80 yard touchdown. (laughs) So when you went into this experience and you talk about that precision and you know how fast you had to learn all these dance moves, did you lean on anybody that had previously been on the show? You know, Michael Irvin, Ocho Cinco, got Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Kurt Warner was on the show. Like, did you reach out to any of them to kind of get a feel for what it was going to be like? Yeah, you know, I um so Jerry Rice, he uh ended up shooting me a message and uh, <laughs> and I was just like, you know, tell me what I need, you know, like what I need to do. And he was just like, Hey, just go out there, have fun, you know, be yourself, you know, show your personality, allow your personality to come out and um, you know, just really be dialed in to to what you're doing. You know, so I kind of took that and was like, okay, you know, I really, you know, I really appreciated him, you know, reaching out and giving me that, that, that advice. And then, um, you know, Donna Driver reached out as well, kind of wishing me good luck. Um, but like being on the show, Alfonso was really helpful because I would always ask him because he was, even though he was the dancing with the star, I had no, right? <laughs> yeah, he was, <laughs> he was, he was that, that dude. Champ, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> like he was super stoked to meet me. And I'm just like, bro, well, like, I grew up on you, like first. Yeah, exactly. We all grew up on Carlton. Come on now. Yeah, that was my favorite <laughs> show. And then Carlton, of course, like you just did. You know, just and you think about, you know, was, was it a Pepsi commercial when he was dancing with MJ? It's like, yeah, like he's a legend. You know, in, in my mind as well. So, what would you say is harder, uh, dancing with the stars practice or an NFL practice? Dancing with the stars practice, man. Really? It is. Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it because of the technical stuff or is it just like you were thinking more than you thought you you were going to have to or what? Yeah. uh, I would say because of the technical stuff, man, you know, uh, and then you have to really think a lot as well. Um, But it it was harder because you it was it was a uncharted area for me. First off, you know, like I've been playing ball since I was seven. I had just been dancing at this point. I mean, at that point for like going on two months. You know? <laughs> you, me you didn't dance before that? You didn't dance before I, that? You know, I like, I thought I danced before that, bro. <laughs> you know, all that dancing and stuff you be doing in, you know, with a, in college at the little parties and stuff. And, you know, it's a little weddings and stuff. You think you really be getting it? Right, right. That's not dancing. 
<laughs> that is not dancing. Like I learned what dancing was once I started learning these different styles, man. And um, it was it was just difficult, really, just learning a, a full routine and really being precise about the small things. Right. So before we end this conversation, I gotta ask you, bro, who is the one that is next up? Like, is there somebody that you might want to mention, a family member per se, mm -hmm. that you think is the next one up? <laughs> so I have a, I have a little brother who's a senior this year, and uh, he just committed to uh, UCF. Yeah, yeah, he has scholarship offers from a lot of different D1 schools. It came down to UCF, Missouri, and Oregon, and he ended up, he ended up committing to UCF. You know, part of the Big Twelve now. Um, and he plays, he plays the running back position and he got something. Like, oh, he got something. He got something. You know, he, he he's, oh. he's really gifted. He's fast. He's like a 10 to five guy and really haven't Ooh. ran track to reach his peak or anything like anything like that. So I can easily see him, you know, I could see him being that guy that was like a, you know, 10, three, 10, you know, 10, four type guy. Um, but he's, he's strong. He's stronger than I, I think he's stronger than I was, um, in high school, Laura Bidey. Come on now. So, Come on now. You know, weight-wise, maybe, maybe in this, <laughs> that, that natural strength-wise, you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay, you know, okay, okay, okay. But, like, as far as, like, weight room-wise, his lower body is bigger than mine and, you know, um, and everything. But he's been putting up some good numbers, and he got something, you know. And I, I have a couple people coming up, you know. Like, my him, I got my, I have a little brother out in Sunnyvale, Who's uh who's playing quarterback, and uh, you know my dad my dad been working with him, you know he played for a Dion little league team when you know Dion was coaching down there in Dallas, so he's kind of been going through that regiment, and now he's in the high school, um, you know the high school stage going through that, you know so, you know you gotta keep your eye out for you know Nelson P Nelson uh, Peterson Jr. And Frankie and Frankie Arthur, you know, people kind of get that last name throw people off, but that's that's my my little brother on my mom's side, um, and he got something. He got something. Nelson Peterson Jr. and Frankie Arthur. Yep. We got a couple Adrian Peterson disciples coming up. Yeah, that's going. Uh, you know, yeah. Listen, I'm gonna be watching. Yeah, especially at UCF. You got my miles on there, and those guys. Mm -hmm. They they know how to get guys in space and let them do their thing. Yeah. So. I am looking forward to that. Yeah. Now, since you got a, a little brother that's going to be going to college, you got to ask, do you watch more NFL ball or do you watch more college ball? Uh, I've been watching a little more college ball, you know, keeping up with keeping up with the Sooners and stuff. There you go. Yeah, listen, that's great to hear. And I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. AD, what is the best college football rivalry in the country? The Texas, you already know, Texas OU. <laughs> that Red River shootout, man, there's nothing like it, man. You can have burnt orange, have Crimson and Cream. It's at the State Fair in Dallas. It's so lit. Oh, my God. It's so lit, man. Just even driving the <laughs> bus through that state, like, to get to the, to the, to the stadium. It's right. like the crowd is spreads as the bus is coming. You just got Texas fans and Oklahoma fans. And it's just – I think just the setting, too, makes it just so amazing because it's just – it's a state fair, right? And it, the Dallas State Fair is humongous, you know, and it's just so crowded and people, it's just 
people are there from everywhere, man. And when you go into that stadium, you see that stadium is spread like that. Yeah. I bet you're super excited right now because y'all won this year, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, like I knew well, you know, I knew we were going to handle business. That's why I was like, yeah, you know, they got Texas. They were what, number three at the time? I was like, number three at the yeah. time, you know. You got you guys got them. It was good for us to go ahead and show, you know, you know what? I'm, and I'm happy. I'm, I was happy to see Texas, like, showing up. You know what I'm saying? Like, they finally showing up, and I think they're going to they're gonna continue to get better as well. So, for me, being from Texas, like, that's always good for me to see. But, unfortunately, you still got to play them sooner. All right. So, last two <laughs> questions I got for you. Super fast. One, is the Madden curse real? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't believe in it. Mm-mm. I've never been superstitious like that. Let me get a man uh, curse. Ain't for let that throw me off. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. And then the second question I have for you is, it's a two-parter. One, can you still play? And two, do you want to still play? I can still play. I can still play. I feel like I got the ability to continue, I mean, to get out there and, and outperform a lot of these kids that I see playing today. And uh, I, I definitely still want to play. You know, I still have the passion and the desire and the love to get out there and go out there and put the best my best foot forward. So, you know, guys willing, given the opportunity, whether that's before playoffs here soon, you know, I'll be ready to go out there and make some happen. Listen, man, I said it earlier when we were talking, you're built different. And I appreciate you coming on the show and and not being afraid to voice that you still want to play. There's a lot of guys that are on the street right now that are kind of in limbo, don't know what they want to do or where they want to go. And they're afraid to say that they still want to play. I'm not in that boat. I'm right there with you. I still want to play. I still know that I can play and I'm not afraid to admit that while I'm off doing the things that I'm doing in the media space and having a blast with my family. There's nothing wrong with wanting something and voicing that you want that thing. And if anybody can get back in the league and actually make an impact for a playoff team, I know it'd be you, brother. So thank you for coming on the show, man, having this conversation. It's been a wonderful one. And thank you for being vulnerable, telling the story about your brother. And we all know that that's what drove you to be one of the greatest of all time. It's all love, man. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, I want to say thank you to the great Adrian Peterson for joining RG3 and the Ones. And now let's go ahead and get to the biggest game of last week. I'm talking about the Dolphins versus the Eagles. Talking about the Bama Bros going up against each other. I'm talking about Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungabailoa. But are these guys really going up against each other? As far as I remember, quarterbacks don't play each other on the football field. They play against the defense. Now, these two were on the same team at Alabama where we saw Tua replace Jalen Hurts in the national championship game. If you don't know that story, go look it up. It's a great one. Hurts stayed the following year at Alabama, was able to help them win in the SEC championship game, and then transferred to Oklahoma the following year. He had a Heisman-like year and then ended up getting drafted. They were both in the same draft class. So they're inevitably tied together all the time. But it's wrong for us to talk about them actually facing off against each other. When I think about this game, you got to realize two things. One, Miami, for the most part, I was actually impressed with them. They did lose the game, but they had a chance to win late in the fourth quarter, despite the fact that they were down three starting offensive linemen and five defensive starters at some point in the football game. They also averaged third and 11 
on the offensive side of the ball. And that's because when you don't have your three starting offensive linemen in there and you have a quarterback like Tua Tungabailoa, who's not the most mobile guy in the world, and you're facing off against the monsters that the Philadelphia Eagles have. I mean, let me see, uh, you talk about Fletcher Cox. Talk about Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. I mean, you're talking about Hassan Reddick. I mean, I, uh, Nolan Smith. That's I just named seven defensive linemen that all feel like they can either rush the passer or swallow you whole if you run into them at the line of scrimmage. Miami was having to deal with that, and it didn't go well. The Eagles completely dominated that game. On the Eagles side of it, when you look at Jalen Hurts, he hasn't played his best football yet, but they're still 6-1. and one. And he's got a receiver out there named A.J. Brown who should be in the MVP conversation. He's got five straight games of 125-plus yards receiving. And I've said this before. Whenever you see a wide receiver on the sideline and he's a little bit upset, some, most of the times it has to do with targets. Now, A.J. Brown has said it had nothing to do with targets, but since he had that altercation on the sideline with Jalen Hurts and the rest of the team, they've been throwing more shots at him than Jada's been throwing at Will Smith. So it worked, and he has been going to work on those guys. But when I think really about Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungabailoa, although it is unfair, the comparisons ultimately remind me of the ones that were made between myself and Andrew Luck. Now, if anyone doesn't know, Andrew Luck was drafted number one overall in 2012, and I was drafted number two. Andrew went to Indianapolis. I went to the Washington Commanders. But me and Andrew had been tied together ever since high school. We were both recruited to Stanford. Jim Harbaugh, who's now the head coach at Michigan, had already a commitment from Andrew Luck to go to Stanford based off of the previous regime, the previous coaching staff. He honored that commitment from Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck is a great quarterback. But he also wanted to bring me in to compete with Andrew at that quarterback spot. Now, I was an early graduate in high school. I was going to graduate in January, which is normal nowadays. But in 2008, it was not normal. And I went on my visit and (laughs) my host was none other than Richard Sherman. That's right. And this was wide receiver Richard Sherman, not all pro future Hall of Famer cornerback Richard Sherman. And I'll never forget this. It's a little off the beaten path. But Richard actually took me out uh, in Palo Alto, California. And we're in the car. He's playing this music. And he's like, hey, yo, yo, Griff. They call me Griff. Nobody called me RG3 at this point. Hey, yo, Griff, get out. We're going to ghost ride the whip. Now, I don't know what ghost riding the whip is because I didn't grow up in California. But apparently it's when you get out of the car and the car is rolling next to you and you dance down the street. While the car is continuing to roll. So I did not get out of the car and ghost ride the whip, but I sat in the car with no one in the driver's seat watching Richard Sherman dance his ass off for at least what felt like 400 meters down the street. Mind boggling. But to get back on topic here, me and Andrew almost both went to the same school. Stanford is an amazing university. Uh, There's a lot of men that go there that become Stanford men. And I really wanted that to be a part of my journey. But because they didn't accept early enrollees at the time, I ended up not going to Stanford, despite Jim Harbaugh really recruiting me as hard as any coach has ever recruited me. And if you know anything about Jim Harbaugh, he will recruit. So I think it all worked out in the end. Andrew went on and had a great career at Stanford. I was able to go to Baylor University, uh, win a Heisman and have a great career there. And then it continued with us all the way through the pros. And honestly, we never played against each other in a regular season game with me and Andrew both being the starter. But 
we did play a preseason game in 2012. <laughs> and uh, although I said on multiple occasions the game didn't matter, I think my teammates took it personal to go and try to win that preseason game because they knew at the end of the day it matters. Who doesn't want to go number one overall? Everybody does. I know C.J. Stroud did this past year between him and Bryce Young. I know that Bryce did because he verbalized it. And sometimes when you look at the quarterback spot, everybody wants to be that top dog. So me and Andrew have had a lot of great experiences together. And at the Heisman ceremony, uh, after the Heisman, I took Andrew, Tyron Matthew, Monty Ball, and Trent Richardson all out on New York because they gave us these limousines. And they said, all right, you can take one limousine and you can go party, or you can take all of them and take everybody out with you. And I decided that, you know, these guys are great players. We're all brothers now. We all went through this, this experience together. And just because one guy won the Heisman Trophy, it doesn't mean that all of us shouldn't be partying together. And we went out. And honestly, it was one of the best nights of my life. I'll never forget. Andrew, uh, you know, <laughs> he knows how to knock him back. And I know he seems like a quiet guy and, and very reserved, but he knows how to have fun. And I'll, I'll never forget those experiences with Andrew because it doesn't matter what happens on the field. We're always going to be brothers off the field. But I know that the way that Jalen Hurts handled the situation at Alabama and how he has gone on to be one of the stars of the NFL, along with Tua Tungavailoa, they will always be connected. And I know that their relationship can never be broken because of what they went through together. All right, people, that's a wrap for episode six of RG3 and the Ones. I want to say thank you to the great Adrian Peterson for coming on the show and having a phenomenal conversation with us. Make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube to RG3 and the Ones and listen and download wherever you get your podcasts. Again, subscribe on YouTube and listen and download wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones so you can get those daily clips to get you excited about the episode that is about to come every single Thursday. Once again, RG3 and the Ones would not be possible without Wave Sports and Entertainment in conjunction with Whispering Oaks Productions and my producers. So I want to say to my producers, I know you're listening. Thank you. Thank you because this would not be possible without you. And to all the viewers that are listening, it wouldn't be possible without you as well. The goal of this show is for you guys to be one of the ones in your own life and you can learn these gems from some of the greatest to ever play the sports that you love. So I'm a positive guy, so I'm gonna leave you with a positive message. At the end of the day, believe in yourself, people. Invest in your dreams because you are worth it. Thank you guys for checking out the show. Once again, follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones. Subscribe to our YouTube page, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.